0: On 39 Milahot, which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath, it's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Moshe Schnirb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9
1: High FM This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Pashas Tov Shin Pei and a warm, warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so, so much for joining us and being able to spend a bit of time together on Erev Shabbos afternoon, getting ready, inspiring ourselves, hopefully growing, and making the Shabbos the most amazing Shabbos it possibly can be. Today's Shir Bez Hashem, we're learning. As a, it, as a schuss for a full schleimer, for schleimer ben yamin ben sheshana pesa, for peretz ben chaye for keila menucha bas devoyeleia, for chaviva bas viva leia, aviva sharon bas mina shena, and from ayala bas Bas middol me'taka, they all be zeicher in the course of the Torah. We're learning that to have a erfu shlema be'kara of mamish. So we're learning the three pashas lekrocha. In the beginning of the pasha, we're taught we're told about v'shanefesh asher the the converts that Avram and Sarah created in 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 Choron, and Avram spent his entire adult life devoted to outreach, to Kiruf. Wherever they traveled, and when they finally settled, Avrom and Sara were fountains of chesed and loving kindness in their world beset with paganism and hedonism. Avroam is referred to as the Amudah Chesed, the pillar of kindness. And rightfully so, having spent his entire life reaching out to a pagan world, both materially and spiritually. Chesed is a wonderful and vital character trait. Our world functions on chesed, both in the religious and secular communities. It is the one character trait upon which everyone seems to agree. We have all developed sort of diverse individual approaches towards carrying out many acts of chesed. But they are all focused, or at least should be, on helping those in need. Why then is Avram so praised for his acts of loving kindness? If an entire secular world understands the need for social services, it is obvious that we all have to incorporate chesed into our lifestyle. At first glance, we can suggest that Avram Vinu earned this appellation because he was the first person to recognize that people have spiritual needs. Saving them from moral and spiritual extinction is one of the greatest acts of Chesed. Furthermore, Avram's entire life was devoted to Chesed of all sorts. Unlike his predecessor, Nayak, who spent an entire year on the Teva doing, right? And, 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 and uh, Chesed 24-7, Avram acted on his own without a divine imperative, instructing him to do so. Avram recognized a need and acted on it. So I think that while all of the above are true, Avram's Chesed was unique and taught us, his descendants, the true meaning of what chesed is supposed to be about. Some people get involved in acts of chesed due to a personal need. They're looking for some kind of customs and merits. They have a personal challenge in their lives which they feel their own acts of kindness to others might alleviate. Avram acted because he was karei b'shem Hashem. He called out in the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It bothered him that people were wasting their lives as pagans, ignoring the only source of spirituality, Hashem. Right? He felt their needs, their aimless lives, their pain. This is Chesed. Praying for another year in need is Chesed. Praying for another Jew in need when one is personally experiencing the very same challenge, has outstanding efficacy. This is because when one truly feels another Jew's pain, which he now does as he himself is experiencing a similar situation, it is true chesed. Identifying with another Jew's plight catalyzes, in fact, the ultimate of Chesed. This is 101.9 High FM. The program
0: is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with lots, lots more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb. Only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM.
1: This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Lech Shin Dalen. As we prepare... For another amazing, amazing Shabbos, another opportunity to get together with our friends and family to learn a bit of Torah, to raise our level of of ruchnis and bring ourselves closer to Tzaddikus Boruchim. So let's talk something very, very important. Very, a very important idea in in yiddishkeit The Parasha begins, Hashem al Avram." Hashem says, "Avram, lech leave me your land, you your birthplace." Beisavicha, and it says, "VaYera Avram." Avram went kashedibelav Hashem, exactly as Hashem said him. "VaAvram ben Chomei Shonim b'Shivim Shonah b'Tzeisamucharn." Tells us specifically that Avram was seventy-five years old when he left when he left Chorah. Now, it's very, very, very interesting that the Torah goes to great, great length and tells us exactly. How old Avraham Avinu was when he left Charon on his way to go to Eretz Yisrael? The simple explanation would be, it doesn't seem to be that there's any real purpose in telling us this information. I guess it's given over a, a fact, but what relevance does that fact, uh, 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 have? And, you know, we don't seem to learn any, any halacha or any sort of good behavior from from the fact that Abraham Avinu was seventy five years old at that at that time, certainly there must be something a little bit deeper uh, going going into why the Torah tells us that, and, and probably. Uh, but we don't want to deal with deep things. Let's deal with things on on a simple on a simple level. Uh, in a general term, we could sort of point out the fact that. There's something very, very unique about Avram Avinu, which in, in relation to <clears throat> other personalities, and that is there is so much <clears throat> both in the written Torah and in, in the Torah that that tell us the the what exactly was the age of Avram Avinu at particular times and particular stages. In in his life, and perhaps let's, in fact, preface our words and bring a few of these uh, 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 sources, and we'll still see what I am talking about, and and let's see if we're able somehow to get some idea, some concept, some yisoid out of out of this. So, first of all, <clears throat> let's talk about the. Let's let's sort of sort of bring the dates according to the. Chronology of Avram's age. Number one, Chazal say, and Avram was three years old when he recognized his creator, when he recognized Hashem. And they prove this from a postach. It says, it says, on right? account of the fact that Avram listened to my voice, the postach and pashas uh, uh, told us, Says Avram listened to the voice of Hashem and served him. Akev, him. Akev, Begumachia, is, Ayin is 70, Kuf is 100, and Bez is 2. So, 172 years, Avram Avinu served Hakadus Baruch. Right? In other words, that since Avram Avinu lived, to be 175 years comes out that he must have gotten his first recognition of our Hu and began to serve him from the age of of 3 of 3 years old that's the earliest source we have about Abramovinus Abramovinus uh age we then go on second source that we have is there's a medrash that says that when Avram Avinu was fifty years old, he recognized his Creator. And then there brings another opinion of Rav Yechanan and Rav Hanina. They say together, no, he was actually forty-eight years old when Avramovinu Avinu recognized that. Kodesh Baruch And by the way, the the uh, the the Rambam that says. That Abraham Avinu was forty when he recognized his his uh, his, uh, his and the Kesef Mishnah actually comments on that, that it must be that the Rambam had a text in the words of of Rab Yechon Hanina, right? That instead of forty eight, he had a text of of forty. So again, that was his his girsan number three. In Seda Olam, which uh, uh, many say was written by the Tana, Rav Yeshiva there it says that Abraham Avinu was 48 years old at the time when the Dora Haflaga, the, the generation of the, of the building of the tower, when they built the tower, that Abraham Avinu was 48 years old. The Gemara, in Avada number four, the one in Zara says, that when Avram Avinu, began converting men, and Sarah began converting women, in Haran, Avram Avinu was 52 years old, number five, Taisvis and the Rosh both write, that already at the age of 70, <coughs> Avram Avinu made his first trip, to Eretz Israel, but, he he went back, he did, he was, it was a year, he went back to Chutzaret, and then he went back at the age of 75. As it says in the passage, we quoted, we quoted uh, above. Number six, at the end of the pasha, Avramovinu gets the command to perform a brismila. And the sort of the headline, the opening words of that whole discussion is, by Avram ben starts off telling us Avram was ninety nine years old. By Hashem, Avram appeared to Avram and and told him about the bris. Now, why does that have to be the first piece of information we get about the bris mila? Yes, I understand it could have been mentioned, but it certainly could could have been mentioned later on as a piece of of information somewhere later in, in the, uh, in the commandment, and, and we would have gotten an idea of how difficult the bris uh, was. In fact, uh, what, what sort of makes the question even stronger is at the very, very end of the Pasha, by Maftir, it again mentions the fact that Avram Movina was 99 years old at the time of the bris It says, <laughs> Avram was ninety-nine years old when he bristled himself. In other words, even if we're going to hold that it needed to be pointed out as the opening detail that Avram was of a certain age, so why again does it have to repeat it uh, and again tell us his his uh, age? Yes, we understand that there's a chiddush here that even though Avram was quite advanced in his age, he did he did the the bris. But again, that information given over once would have been would have been uh, uh, en- enough. What right? the fact that the Torah has to has to repeat it, uh, obviously the Torah found it so important that the Torah emphasized it and even repeated it a a uh, a second a second a second time. So the obvious question we're left is why does the Torah spend so much detail and so much time telling us all these different ages, what is the impact? What is the lesson that we need to learn to learn from that? So perhaps let's begin and and look at some of the statements uh in Chazal where 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 these dates are are uh explained. Right? Um let's say the events of Avram's life before what the Torah begins with in this week's Pasha, which was at the age of of seventy Five, the Torah doesn't tell us a great deal, doesn't tell us anything really, about Avram's life before he left Eretz Yisrael the second, the second time. But if we just take a quick squeeze through the Midrashim that talk about how Avram recognized HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so straight away that raises a, a very, very big question. When in fact was it that Avraham or Vinu began to have a relationship with our was it already from the age of three? Was it from the age of 48 or perhaps 40 or maybe from the age of 50 and furthermore why is it important to know that he was 48 years old when the Tower of was built? That he was 52 years old when he began to convert people in Haran? What is the import of all these things? We're going to come back and discuss this in much more detail after the break. This is 101.9, Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in
0: a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9, High FM.
1: 1.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul. back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Lech Shin Dalet. We have begun a very interesting discussion. Basically, we've asked, the Torah seems to put a great, great deal of emphasis on the ages of when events occurred in Avram's life. Do you recognize Kurdish Bokha when he was three? Another Medrash says he was 40 or 48. Another one says that the the took place when Avram was 48. Avram began to convert, uh, people in Khoran at the age of 52. Avram went to Eretz Yisrael when he was 70, went again when he was 75. Avram had the Mila when he was 99. We keep get told, getting told these ages of Avram Avinu. And certainly it seems a pure question. Why do we have to have such detail about, about his, his, uh, his life? And perhaps the answer to these questions was actually already alluded to by the Keseth Mishneh and the Rambam, where the point of all this is actually no contradiction at all between any of these different dates. The whole purpose of them is to, when we mention all of these dates, is to teach us that even as great a person as Avram Avinu, his progression in Giddishkite was a slow and gradual progression from the point where he first recognized our Kurdish Hu as he grew and grew. It wasn't a one-step process process. The 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 it was quite in fact a, a long, a long process that developed as he got older. Avram, in fact. First recognized HaKadosh Baruch Hu when he was three years old. But his his uh, development, his understanding grew deeper, and and so that there was another significant change that took place in Avram Vinu at the age of, of 40. Throughout all those years. Right, the, 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 his recognition, his understanding, his relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu got stronger and more developed, and he was revealing and, and discovering every moment things that he didn't realize and understand before that point. And therefore, at the age of forty-eight, Avram Ovinu reached the stage a new understanding in in the Bari Arunim. and in that zechus. He was able to to uh, uh, separate himself from those who were busy building this this tower of of the Dar hapaloga, who wanted to separate themselves from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Many of them talk about the door of as a generation that rebelled against against Hakadosh Baruch Hu. even though <coughs> this amazing idea of a whole world <clears throat> unified together to do something a tremendous, tremendous coming together and, 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 and an agreement by everyone, by everyone who was in the world to do something that's something amazing and very, very rare in, in the world certainly as, as, as we knew it and very, very chasha by itself nevertheless in spite of Avraham vino. Standing against the unity of the entire world, Avraham Avinu's understanding and recognition of Hakadosh Baruch Hu at that point, at forty-eight years old, was deep enough and compelling enough that Avraham Avinu was able to separate himself from from uh, from from that when he revealed that the 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 uh, foundation for building this tower was warped to the point. Where if a stone fell down and broke and was wasted, that was more important to them than if a human being fell off a scaffolding and was killed. Avraham Avinu realized there's something wrong. This cannot exist in a world where Avraham Avinu understood a world of chesed, a world of caring. To be completely callous to other human beings, Avraham Avinu understood that there could be no success in in uh, in this. And therefore, in fact, he actually cursed them, as the pasuk in, uh, in Tehilim says. uh says, Ba'la Hashem, Pa'la Glishonim, I'm in a daven. And of completely uh, changed their language and said you wouldn't be able to un- understand As In fact, we know, we know happened. <clears throat> Why? He <It> says, <laughs> Isi He says in Tehilim in, in Melchized. Because I saw that it was all about fights, the, the, the unity was external, the unity was for show, but actually they cared nothing at all about each other, human life was expendable, uh, supplies were more important, Avomidah understood that this could never ever happen, and with that ear and Migdal and Roy Shabbat Shemaim, he understood that was all treif, and he was able to separate himself from it, all these things, if in fact these were different stages in in the building of Avraham Avinu's understanding and recognition, and his personal journey, call it, to our Hu. So the the uh, the a, a a a structure that actually began from the age of of, of three and and progressed until the age of of fifty let's perhaps try to explain even on a superficial level the different ages the different stages of our Kaddish, of of Avinu's journey to know akadosh barakham now we all learned when we were in school that there was this yid whose name was amosha bamaman we call him the rambam he was born in such and such a year he started off in in spain right he was born in the uh, uh north of spain in, in in north africa and he was a a outstanding doctor and he, he uh authored many many great great books right if you have a, if you went to a very very good school uh, they would teach you that the rambam uh, uh wrote a commentary on all the six books of the mishnah at a very young Age and he wrote a uh, a halachic work which is called the <coughs> which includes all the different subjects in in Yirishkeit, right? So so once you've uh, learned that whole Yalak Hazaka, you could say that a a a Talmud then understands a little bit about the Rambam and he knows a few of the details about his own personality. Now, when uh, a few years later, this young student gets to yeshiva, and he sees that the Rambam wrote a parish on all of Mishnayos, and even if he remembers that fact from when he was in in school, but now, right uh, uh, at that point, he, he he barely knew as a youngster what the shisha seder mishnah actually were. But now, now when he comes into into yeshiva and he understands the a massive amount of of material that is in, in the Mishnah, now he begins to understand what it means that the Rambam wrote an entire commentary on the whole Mishnahs, And perhaps he will get a deeper understanding of who the Rambam is. Now, in yeshiva, he also begins to learn to to come to terms with the the Yarah right? Which is yes, he knew for a fact that the Rambam wrote the Yadah But now that in Shir and the Rabbeim are raising Rambams and contradictions in in Rambam, now he begins to understand what is the the, the magnitude of a halachic work that includes every area of. Yerushalayim, the laws of of and, and and Sanhedrin and the the Kalem in the in the Mikdash and and the laws of Kings etc etc, and now he begins to reveal suddenly that this composition includes everything that is in the Bavli and in the Shalmi and in the Midrashim and in the Tosefta. And furthermore, he learned that the Rambam wrote additional svarim, even more than he even knew about before. Right? He wrote a parish on, on the 613 mitzvahs. He wrote, he wrote letters. He wrote responsa. Right? Of the Rambam. And even he wrote professional and medical books. And now the Rambam. Oh wow. Now I've got a whole different hasug, a whole different understanding of what the Rambam is. However, you know, before that, you knew what the Rambam was, but on a very, very low, on a very, very superficial level, on the level of a, of a school child. Now, the Rambam gets a whole new meaning in our, in our, in our understanding, in our consciousness. This is a different, a different Rambam. A new Rambam. It's only, I only realized it's today. And now, even then, does he really understand the, the Rambam? It can go even much deeper than 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 uh, than that. And the truth is that on a certain level, this is a mistake. And does re- someone, Is there anyone who really understands the Rambam? When a person begins to learn and to go a little bit deeper in the Rambam, and he sees. The, the, the questions, let's say, of, of the, of the Magid Mishnah, and the answers of the, of the Kesef Mishnah, and that which is written in the, in the, in the commentaries on the Rambam, in the Mirkevesa Mishnah, and, and what, uh, Rameya Simcha from Davinsk wrote in the Or Sameach, and, and of Chaim Ibrisk, and he sees the incredible scope of, of, of the Rambam in his amazing, amazing Seychelles and all the, all the, all the Svaris of, of the, of, of the Rishonim encompasses and then the Acharonim, right, all together. So now, now he begins to have opened up in front of him even a new Rambam. Now he begins to understand that what he understood until now for the Rambam was absolutely nothing. And now he goes to a third stage of now beginning a little bit more to understand the full depth of the Rambam. And who knows? It's possible that all the commentaries of the Rambam and all the Noisakerim and, 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 and the and, and the Rogatchava and all the other Gedolim, even they didn't manage. To go to the very, very depth of what the Kabbalah of the Rambam is, and that's how it is, because the Rambam is from the Rishonim, and the Rishonim are 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 beyond our ability to understand fully. We have a little bit of an insight, but their Chokhmah is is beyond our ability to to understand. And the truth is, even even more than that. In spite of the fact that when this person began, let's say, that second level of of recognizing the the Rambam. So this Barkha thought, oh, now I got it. Now I understand the Rambam properly. But now, now when he began the, the third level and he began to recognize him even deeper, he understands that that which he thought before about the Rambam and the chasm and the gulf that exists between what he previously understood about the Rambam and what he understands now is, is so large that uh, that uh, you know uh, 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 it's as large as the 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 chasm that existed between what he understood as a school child to when he started yeshiva, right? The Rambam shall shall uh, shall shall uh, that he learned in, in the school. Right? To the Rambam that he now understands at the beginning of his learning in Yeshiva. Right? And, and, uh, and, and what he now understands after having learned all the Rishonim Akronim. It's, it's, each one is a completely, completely different understanding, but all of them are in fact very, very little into, into, into getting to the total depth and understanding of what, what the Rambam, what the Rambam was. When we talk about the Emuna and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is really what we find as regards Avram Avino also. Avram first recognized HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the age of three. But this was just a, a, a recognition of the fact that there is someone who's running this world. And even if there's no doubt at all, that in this world of of uh, of uh, idols and images that everyone else was serving, this was a great, great thing. That amongst that whole society that was serving idols, that Avraham Avinu could reach a level, even though the basic recognition that there is something running the world that already. Was mind-blowing to understand that everything that's going on around him is, is lies and, and falsehood, right? But still, even on that level, it's a very, very, very basic, very sort of first level recognition of, of Akbarish Baruch. He still didn't, Avram still didn't understand at that point what was, who is that leader who's running the world and what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from those that he created he still didn't know perhaps maybe there are what, what, are, the, what are the ways of this, of this creator how does he run the world right uh, 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 he, he didn't understand anything about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's midas about his, his characters and that a person needs to connect himself to Hashem's midas that he had no understanding of at that point Right? That was not uh, the Akkara of, of Akarishporhu at, at the age of three. But if a person will get up at one end of the world and he will come to a, a, a conclusion that Avraham Ovinu reached that there is a, a, a director to this world and he would give him a name in whatever in whatever language can we in fact say that this person is is, is someone who truly believes in HaKadosh Baruch Hu no we we believe in in the Kayach of of that which we call Yud Kei Vav Kei the name of of HaKadosh Baruch Hu or uh, Aleph Dalet Nun Yud and that person believes in the Kayach of some other name I understand, just because he gave it a different name, does that mean he's not aligned with our understanding of Hashem? Certainly, that's not so, right? The, the, the important point over here is, right? Whatever you want to call it, but the fact that I can relate that there is some kayach, whatever, whatever you call that entity, that there is some entity that he has the kayach to rule and direct this, this world, so, and, and, and he believes that he is one unified force, and that he has no physical goof. That forms the basis of a knowledge, the basis of an understanding of what our Kalash Baruch Hu is, but that needs to be built, that needs to be developed, and that's something that takes a lifetime. So the basic understanding Avraham Avinu had about HaKadosh Baraka when he was three years old, he spent the next 37 or, or, or more years working on that, developing it, deepening it, until he got to the point where he was so convinced of HaKadosh distance existence, as we said, he was able to stand up and fight against the unified world that was building this tower, because he saw that that could not be the Ratzin of Hashem, since it did not contain the Midah of Chesed. By that time, he had understood some of the attributes of Hashem, some of the Midas of Hashem, and therefore anything which did not contain the Midas of Hashem, could not be Emes. He progressed to the point, where four years later, when he was 52, now he was so convinced of the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the, and the omnipotence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the involvement of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he decided to go public and he decided to start teaching other people about it because he had grown to the point where he felt he could share, he could impart, he could influence others to also start to accept and understand the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he progressed. At 70 years old, he went there to show, but he wasn't yet on the level of understanding of Hashem to stay there. It took him another five years till seventy five, till he was Zaich to be able to go to Israel and stay there. By then his level of understanding of Hashem had reached a uh, 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 such a such a uh a madriga, such a, a high place where he could now be. He could now live in in Eretz Yisrael and it took him another 24 years till he was 99 of being in Eretz Yisrael he was finally able to actually make the huge step of entering a bris of entering a covenant with our Kodesh Barakum a covenant is between two people that have a real strong relationship it took him from the age of three to the age of 99 to get to the point where you could do the bris mila, and that's why he didn't do the bris mila earlier and this is just such an important lesson for us Don't think that we're going to become great people overnight. It's one step after another, one small baby step. Each level of amuna we reach, each thing we understand, each thing we have a clarity in will bring us to the next step. But it's going to take a very, very long time for a person to become a true, fully fledged and and, and completely convinced Maimon uh, in, in the, in the body. This is 101.9 high FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Halacha
0: uh, segment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 high FM. 101.9
1: Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Shabbos Par Shas Lech Shin Pei as we prepare for another amazing, amazing Shabbos Baruch Hashem with all that's going on and all the terrible crises that are going on in the world Shabbos Kodesh is a respite Shabbos Kodesh is the time for us to collect ourselves, to sort of come back to ourselves, to realize that as, as difficult as things are if we have Emunah, and Emunah I want next week to speak a little bit more about uh, working on on our moon and strengthen ourselves in the difficult times that we find, that we find ourselves in. But as we always do at this time, just to give you the important times and details you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So first and foremost, the earliest time for lighting your Shabbos candles this afternoon is at five o'clock. Five o'clock exactly is the earliest time to light and let's aim for it, you know. We want to show our Qadosh Baruch Hu A little bit extra effort we want to show our spoke that we're really really trying harder to do what we do better rather than so much that doing more and doing extra things let's try to see that that we can do what we do in the best way possible so instead of sort of lighting candles at the last moment let's see if we can light candles this week at the first moment at the earliest moment and accept the Shabbos and bring the beautiful Kedusha, bring the beautiful, uh, aroma and, and, and ambiance of Shabbos into our lives as early as possible. So five o'clock is the earliest time we can light those, those candles. If you're not going to manage to light candles by five o'clock, then the latest time to light candles this coming afternoon is at six oh three, six oh three is the latest time, 6.03 is the time where Shabbos officially begins and we have to make sure that by then everything is done, everything is ready. We're in full Shabbos mode by that by that time. Do not rely on those extra minutes after candle lighting, between candle lighting and sunset. That is only for really, really emergencies, people who are on the road and get home late and, and want to make try to get home before For at least sunset, for them, there's an extension, there's an injury time. But we have to see 6.03 as the latest time when we sort of turn turn our cars off and have everything in its place and Shabbos begins in our lives at that, at that time. Shkia then is 18 minutes later at 6.21. That's absolutely the latest, the latest time. Therefore, if one wants to kind of make sure that when Davin's Mayrev after it's properly night, and therefore be able to fulfill as part of myrav, the Torah Mitzvah of saying Krishma, and not have to repeat the Krishma, the full Krishma again later, so then we have to wait until 6.39, if you daven Marev any time after 6.39, you're good, you've davened, you said Shema, at the time when it's actually night and there'll be no need to repeat the full Krishna. Again, obviously, we say the Krishna as part of getting ready for bed, but that's a different story. The midst of St. Krishna, you fulfilled by Damani Marev after, after night. And then, of course, we have Friday night to sit together with our friends and family and go over the weekend and and have some good food together and some good smears and a good laugh, maybe, and a good story and something about the Pasha also. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kurdish Pashas. Lech Lecha, very, very interesting and informative Pasha about the life of Avram Avinu and the Haftarah that goes with it. The natural Haftarah for pashas. Lech Lecha will be read uh, tomorrow. And then the, the Shabbos progresses as normal, beautiful. Shabbos is getting a bit... Longer, uh, Shabbos Kurdish ends tomorrow night at 6.54. Six minutes before seven o'clock is really the end of, of, uh, of Shabbos. And we know what a lot of people are going to be doing on, on Master Shabbos. But don't forget to first, uh, uh make Havdalah afterwards. And, you yeah, know, if you're going to be sitting anyway, have a malavna malka, go wash, have some bread, have some, have some good food and fulfill the mitzvah, not only of having a party as you watch the, the proceedings, but also to fulfill the mitzvah of, of having a, a, mulav a malka, a, a fourth meal on Shabbos to accompany the Shabbos queen away as she takes a leave of us and leaves us back to the normal weekday world as we go into into into, the Shabbos and and Sunday. We are learning the laws of Boibear and talking about various different laws about separating liquids from foods. So let's say you want to open a tin of, let's say, pickles. So since the the pickles are quite large, So we don't consider that the pickles are mixed together with the water or brine that they're sort of lying in, and you'd be allowed to pour out the water that's in the tin with them. You can pour the water the water out. But that's pickles because they're big. In in sort of contradistinction to that, let's say you have in that tin uh let's say uh tinned corn. Or, or peas since those are very very small so those would be considered mixed up together with the liquid and therefore uh, since they're mixed together it will be forbidden to pour out the, the water similarly it will be forbidden to pour from a let's say you have a tin of tuna so you would not be allowed to pour out the oil or the water that's that's in, in the tuna and if you want to serve the tuna without the oil. So what you can do is using a, a spoon, you can take out the tuna from from the, the tin and put it in a different in a different uh, uh plate because then again you're removing that which you want and leaving behind that which you don't want in order to eat it right away. That would be completely permitted, permitted to do. What about olives? So olives that are sort of packed in, in water. So there, there's a halakhic question because it's not so clear. Are those considered to be mixed up together with the, the brine? And therefore there would be a prohibition of doing the Isra Bairr. Or not. And, and since this is a, a questionable and doubtful situation, which is relevant to a Torah prohibition, if, if it, if it is considered mixed, then separating them would be a violation of a Torah principle. So since we're talking about a, a, a doubt in a case where the ramification might be a biblical obligation, so one needs to be strict and not pour out the, the liquid from the the olives and therefore you're not allowed to pour out the water from amongst the the olives and similarly you would not be allowed to use any kind of specialized separation a clue that is that is uh, intended to uh, take out the olives from from the water but again you could take out the olives from the 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 container using a a fork or or a knife that would be uh, permitted if you're going to eat them right away that would that would certainly be permitted on uh, on on Shabbos. Now, we actually already mentioned before that if someone has let's say a gravy or or a soup, and in that soup are big pieces of meat or or, or vegetables. Because of the fact that they are large and noticeable, so we said they 're not considered mixed together with the soup, and you 'd be allowed to take them out even if you want to eat them not now but 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 much but much uh, 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 later and similarly you 'd be allowed to take a uh, a, a specialized spoon and, and 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 take them out because since there's no Isra of boiler involved here. So in the same way you could take them out with a with a fork, so too you'd be allowed to take them out with a uh a, a spoon that has holes which will allow the liquid to stay behind. If the pieces are very small, then that lock is slightly different, but we're gonna discuss that when we come back. After this short break, this is 101.9. The program is Soul to Soul on Chai FM. And this is the
0: greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb. Only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai
1: FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kredish. As we have a last few moments together, we're talking about boiler separating and a soup. We spoke before about a soup that has large pieces of meat and vegetables, and we said it's not considered that they're mixed together, and I could take it out even with a specialized implement. But what happens in the situation if the pieces of meat or the pieces of vegetable are quite are quite small. So then, that would be considered uh, that they are mixed together with the soup. And therefore, even if I want to take them out in order to eat them right away, I should take them out together with a little bit of the soup using a normal spoon or a normal ladle and not use a perforated spoon for that. Because, since But what you're doing, you are selecting the pieces from the soup which is mixed, which it's mixed together in, and you're using a specialized clean, which helps you to separate, that will be forbidden. If a person doesn't have any other vessel available, so you'd be allowed to use this perforated spoon on the condition that he does not intend To separate from them the the soup, and of course you shouldn't sort of let the spoon then hover, so to speak, over the pot in order that all the soup should pour fall back down into the into the uh, into the pot. One would be allowed to pour a soup in which you have mixed in it, let's say, some leftovers of other food. You can pour that into the the sink, where even though the sink has a strainer where the water goes, where the drain is, even though the the strainer will stop the the remnants of food from going down, there's no prohibition that because the isra of boira applies only when we're separating that which I want to eat from the rubbish here. Your intention is you have no intention not to use the water or the leftover food, therefore all of it is considered as and therefore there 's no problem even if some of it gets caught by by the strainer okay that 's about all the time we 're going to have today to spend together. Just leaves me the one moment to first of all thank all of our radio family for being part of the show for listening for contributions that hopefully some of you make to let us know how we're doing, what we need to improve on. Please, please feel free to make any comments positive or constructive that may help us improve the quality of, of the show. And it's just a moment left for me to wish all of you a friend and a beautiful Shabbos. Shabbos we really sit together and work as a family, work on a community and on, on developing our moon on developing our faith and understanding that as terrible as things seem and as challenging as the situation, as Christ finds itself, we're still in the love, we're still in the embrace of the HaKadosh Baruchu, and everything will work out exactly as the vanishlam wants it to. To each and every one of our radio family, a beautiful, heart sick good Shabbos to one and all.